This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. And Phoenix has another one. That's, oh, really? That's what we're doing? It's like every team has every color scheme now. I'm waiting to see what the Yankee one is going to look like. From the people that don't want to put the names on the back of the jersey. Yes. Maybe there'll be pinstripe pants and something different with the top. I don't know. Maybe the pinstripes will go sideways. Who knows? (laughs) On 98.7 ESPN. Hour number three, Monday night. This is not the Dan Grosser Show. Larry Hardesty. And you for Dan. Riding with you until 10 o'clock. Ty Butler will be in for us on ESPN New York tonight. Talking the NBA with you at 1-800-919-3776. Also, we'll talk a little baseball as well. Doing a lot in the final hour. Going to head back to the phones. Let's do it. Mo's in Brooklyn. Mo, you're next on 98.7. Good evening, guys. How are you? Hey, Mo. Um, I wanted your opinion on something. It's been festering for a long time with this current Yankee roster. I, I'm very untrained eye. I, I've never, I, I don't have the background to really make this judgment. But when I watch the Yankees, I think their organizational approach to hitting, to say it nicely, it sucks. And what I what I mean is I've never seen a team in my watching of baseball that will look at more fastballs right down the middle of the plate only to follow it up with swinging at sliders in the other batter's box. And this this approach of we're, we're going to be selective, we're going to wait for our pitch. I've never seen a team that lets more, quote-unquote, our pitches go by and then we'll swing at a pitch completely off the plate. Stanton's one of the biggest culprits when he's not going well. And the other thing with with, with the organizational philosophy to hitting is, and I, I'll pick two guys out, Glaber Torres and Volpe, who when they were drafted or came from the Cubs in Torres's case, were not looked at as power hitters, yet take the most power hitterish swing that I've ever seen. What what kind of teaching is going on in this organization? Volpe should not swing like that as for, for a guy who's, who wasn't touted to be a power hitter. Well, in terms of the organizational uh, philosophy of hitting, uh, it does seem like that they are not nearly aggressive enough. Uh, I know in the past that any time that they've spoken about their philosophy, it is that they want to swing at strikes and they want to swing hard at strikes. Uh, to me, the, the problem is not the organizational philosophy is, is as much as it is they just don't have good hitters. I mean, take a look at the lineup that they put out there on a regular basis with Judge out. They, it, it's not a Thanks, philosophy Mike. problem. It's a talent problem. Uh, you know, D.J. LeMahieu, is, it, is, it, is his problem because he has the wrong philosophy at the plate or is he just washed uh, as a player? Same thing with uh, Donaldson. Same thing with... Um, a bunch of guys up and down the lineup. I don't see it as being a problem of, of, of philosophy. I see it as a problem of talent. So that's the organizational issue for you, Gordon. Is yeah. organization. Give me some more talent. They, they, they haven't added to the lineup for the past few years. They, the, the last major addition they brought to the lineup, effective one, was Rizzo, and that was a couple of years ago now. Yeah. He's not done a good job. No. Not at all. This no. is the, you, you say it all the time. We're the New York Yankees. They're not playing like it. No. <laughs> They're not performing and they are like spe- it at all. And, and here's the problem with, with Cashman. I think a reason why you see a lot of the guys that you see, the Bowers and the McKinneys and the IKFs, and they have spent so much money in certain areas 
that they are now scraping up every year, basically, up against that luxury tax threshold. So they have to find depth on the scrap heap. And that's mm-hmm. what they now. Sometimes it works out when they uh, uh, they had uh, Matt Carpenter last year. They got him off the scrap heap, and it worked out. I mean, I still think it was crazy that they were relying on him as much as they were in a playoff game. But mm-hmm. um, he ran into some home runs. He he gave you a little bit of production. They had that with Rugnit Odor a couple of years ago. You mm-hmm. see this year with Bowers and McKinney. I think that that's the real problem: is that they are not spending their money efficiently enough and they have run into trouble because now they're really locked into a they're locked into a lot of contracts and now they're getting old they're getting older the the window of opportunity that was opened up in 2017 seems like it's closing if not closed already john's in jersey john you're next on 98.7 hey good evening larry good evening gordon how you doing guys john long time no talk yes sir let's talk some new york nick basketball guys all right um there's a lot to unpack, a lot to cover here with the Knicks, guys. Uh, this team, when you watch it in its totality from a year ago, you had two different seasons. You had the regular season, you had the playoff season. And when you look at it all as a whole, this team needs to upgrade its athleticism, its versatility. Its perimeter shooting was putrid a year ago, both during the regular season as well as the playoffs. And those are the major areas of concern and the major areas to address and upgrade. And if I'm the front office with the Knicks, uh, I can't bring it back. I can't roll it back, as they say. Uh, I, I look my, – my, my philosophy has always been you need to refresh your roster every year. You need to bring in fresh faces, and you need to mix it up. Um, the Knicks are too predictable. Too many isolation players with Barrett, with Randall, and with Brunson. I'd like to break up that Knicks and, and, and see the team run more, get more easy baskets, and spread the floor and create more uh, matchup problems and give them more versatility and unpredictability in their approach to each game and, uh, you know, just get away from that ISO ball and, and that eating up at a clock and that stagnation. I think that's preventing pl- the, some of the younger players like Toppin and Grimes from taking it to another level with the organization. Um, I know you guys mentioned Zion Williamson. How do we get better? What do we do? Uh, I don't think you panic. I don't think you make a move for the sake of making a move. I heard Bill Simmons' podcast uh, today say that he's got a credible source who told him and that he relies on and trusts that Zion Williamson will not be a member of the uh, New Orleans Pelicans by Thursday. He'll be moved away. So if the Knicks do that, the Knicks got to do their homework, guys. They got to do their due diligence. I don't know how good the team doctors, the uh, strength and conditioning coaches, or the wellness coaches are on the Knicks. But I got to believe that may be, may be a problem in New Orleans because you don't only have a health issue problem with injuries and, and, and a speedy recovery once those injuries occur with Zion Williamson, but you have the same situation with another talented player on their team, Brandon Ingram. So, like I said, I don't have intel on what their, their uh, team doctors and their health and conditioning coaches and, and wellness coaches are there in New Orleans, and I don't know how good or bad the Knicks are. But you look back years ago, the Phoenix Suns have always been a renowned organization with their wellness coaches and their strength and conditioning coaches. And I know Grant Hill has mentioned numerous times how that lengthened his career and kept him productive and active in, his, in the latter part of his career when he went to Phoenix. The same with Amari Stoudemire and Steve Nash. I think you have to have that kind of, you know, team in place as far as your doctors, your wellness coaches, and your strength and conditioning coaches if it was to work. 
And I would, I would have to think if he was to come here, the Knicks have to have, you know, something in that deal where if they don't like something they see on the x-rays or the MRIs, that that deal becomes null and void. And also, I got to believe that this would rejuvenate, a change of scenery would rejuvenate Zion Williamson at the same time would rejuvenate and take R.J. Barrett's game to another level. And you think these guys would have a chip on their shoulder and work extremely hard this first upcoming season that they'd be, you know, joining forces together in New York. And, and, and that might be a winning formula for the Knicks. I don't know, but I, I, the Knicks would have to do their due diligence and do their homework. And, Larry, you mentioned the bench, and you and I shared this a couple of weeks ago on a Sunday. Gordon wasn't there. He wasn't a part of the conversation we had. I would like to replicate what they did a year ago where they brought Jalen Brunson in for no more than money. He was an unrestricted free agent. They aggressively went after him. They did not have to surrender any young players. They did not have to forfeit any draft picks. I'd like to replicate that this offseason and bring in another unrestricted free agent in Karis LeVert. Karis LeVert is a very athletic, versatile wing. He was the best player on the floor in that Nick Cavalier playoff series that just concluded a few weeks ago. And he's improved his three-point shooting tremendously. He's already played in New York and proven he could take the pressure and he could play well under that pressure. He's taken his game to another level each and every year, improving it. I think that would be a home run for the Knicks, bringing him in as an unrestricted free agent where you don't have to surrender draft picks, you don't have to surrender young players, and you save those assets for the real difference maker because I don't see that superstar or that star guy that's a guaranteed slam dunk plug-and-play fit for the Knicks to take him to that next level currently right now that may be available. And let me leave you with this, guys. I'm going to plant this seed. If the Knicks are smart, they're watching real carefully over that situation in Memphis with the Grizzlies and John Morant. If you remember years ago when Ernie Grunfeld was running the Knicks, they took a chance on Latrell Sprewell choking out Carlissimo. His trade value had dropped. They had enough with him. He had enough with them. They were looking to move on. you got to see how much the Memphis Grizzlies are going to want to take and tolerate with that situation. I know it's a handgun issue. I know it's a major concern. But, again, if the Knicks do their homework and they get their, their, go through their back channels and make, make, uh, you know, go through all their proper contacts and they find out what's going on with this kid, getting this, find out truly who he is, what he's about, how much he loves the game, how great he wants to be, and if they could get him at, at some point, that yeah. could be the difference maker, that young superstar player. I hear what you're saying, John. Brunson, that makes yeah. the real difference. I got you. Thanks for the phone call. They will exhaust everything. Before they let that kid, before they move that kid, they yeah. will exhaust Gordon. They will, ex- they will bring, they will do whatever they have to do, and they should. Mm-hmm. But they will do whatever they have to do because they're not giving that kid away. That kid, Gordon, is the talent is off the charts, off the charts for that kid. So they, it, it's not the same situation with him and Sprewell. I know what you're saying, but it's not. He's so much younger than Sprewell was. So you're gonna but he's air, better. yeah, and he's better. Yeah. You're going to err on the – plus it's a different NBA. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the other thing too. So they're going to err on the car, on, on the side of caution. They're going to do whatever they can to keep him. Uh, I'm not as high on, on uh, Levert as John is. Um, I'd rather look at like a Seth Curry, give me a DiVincenzo, who was uh, maybe leaving Golden State, who was with Milwaukee, who's a really good three-point shooter. Uh, Levert had a nice series, but Levert is, is – I'm not as big on Levert as John is, Gordon. So I understand what he's saying. And listen, you can have more than one three-point shooter coming off the bench. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, right. You know, we can both be right. You can package somebody to get a, a really talented guy 
and you can, you know, bring somebody else in as part of a trade or, or add somebody else to, to that deal. But, yeah, they do. No question they need three-point makers on this team. The one thing about Ja, uh, since he got the 25-game suspension, the uh, NBA reporter Tim McMahon was on, um, I think it was Windhorse's podcast. Mm-hmm. And he said that from the people that he has talked to indirectly, so it's not directly from Ja, it's not from his family, but the people that he has talked to indirectly is that the feeling with Ja and people close to him is that they sense that the NBA is out to get him. Hmm. Now, if that's true, he's got big problems. Yeah. If he looks at what has gone on in his life and the suspension that he was given and thinks that the NBA is the problem there, that 25-game suspension might not be the last one. And people were saying, well, it's too much, it's too little. His actions will determine just how good it is. Mm-hmm. His, if he messes up or has another mistake and it's within a year or so, 25 will look very light. <laughs> At any time you get into a situation where someone has a problem and they're not willing to admit their part in that problem, mm-hmm. that problem's not going away. Nope, it's not. And part of the problem is him. The other part of the problem is folks he's got around it. Mm-hmm. Which indirectly is a problem with him. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's got to make some adjustments because nobody would have known if that person in the car with him put it on social media. Your friend. Mm-hmm. I think you need to reevaluate that. <laughs> I'm just saying. Not not saying that what he did was right, Gordon. I'm not saying that. No. I'm saying it, your friends knew the situation you were in, yet they decided to take that and put that on social media. You need to reevaluate a lot. A lot. The ESPN New York Beats Bass hits the Jersey Shore Friday, June 30th at Bar A in Lake Como for two live broadcasts and appearance from DPH and Rothenberg, who will give away the All-American Ford Bronco. It all kicks off with Bart and Han live at noon, followed by the Michael K. Show from 3 to 7 with giveaways for fans in attendance and music from the Moroccan Sheep Herders. It's all brought to you by Patron Tequila, Stoli Vodka, BetMGM, All-American Auto Group, Calandra's Bakery, and Flight by Eulen. You must be 21 years of age to enter at least 21 years of age at least don't don't come sneaking up in there with no fake ids we know what's happening we got folks at the gate watch it we want you to have fun but be correct 1-800-919-3776 gordon and i return on 987 espn this is the dan grosser show on 98.7 espn (laughs) Loves John Morant, Gordon, because John Morant is good for the NBA. Yes, he's good for business. Absolutely. And when he's doing this, he's bad for business, mm-hmm. the NBA business, and his personal business and his life. These are things you know. And and Larry, you're overreacting. No, I'm not. This is about business. This is about, yes, it's, it's, of course, it's a game. Of course, you want to achieve certain things. Of course, you want to make money and do things for your family and, and, and be the best you can be and win championships. Yes, that is all affirmative. But Gordon, on the other side of that is it's a business. Your brand is, is getting bigger and bigger. This is, got to get yourself together. You're costing yourself from the business standpoint, you're costing yourself a fortune. From a personal standpoint, 
You need to make a decision. And I realize he's young, Gordon, and I understand. Listen, I don't know how I would act if I had all that money at his age. I was the same age as he was either. I'm not going to sit here and, and say and be holier than thou. But I will say this. If I had, I believe, even back then, if I had made the mistake, tell the commissioner, you don't have to worry about me. That's not who I am. That's not what I'm about. It'll never happen again. And then it happens again. Even I would have to say, you know what? I got, I got to, I got to change some things. <laughs> yeah, I got to change fact, some things. The fact that it was only twenty-five games, when you consider that, right? He gets the first suspension. He goes to New York. He meets with the commissioner. Tells him this is this is not who I am, and then turns around essentially right after that and does the same thing. That is, he is fortunate. It was only twenty-five games. Very, very fortunate. Very fortunate. So no, the NBA, and that sounds like. Former people, not current friends. Yeah, you'd you'd like to hope so. Yeah, that sounds like former friends. Oh, we're not down anymore because you know they, that's what it sounds like to me. Not could be wrong, but it sounds like former friends that have an axe to grind because they're not as close to my boy as they used to be. And just and, to get back to the Zion conversation or mm-hmm. the next superstar, it'll be very interesting to see because the Knicks were that close. To landing Donovan Mitchell, that didn't happen. Nope. So if there is a superstar, if it's Zion, if it's someone else that becomes available this off season, and the Knicks are, you'd have to think if if Zion is available, mm-hmm. that the Knicks would be in the running for him. Will they jump at that chance? Because it feels like whatever that next superstar comes along, whoever that person is, is it Zion or someone else, they're going to jump at that. Those those those. Protected lottery picks are burning a hole in their pocket, Larry. Yeah. And they're not going to be left standing at the altar like they were the last time. Can I be honest with you? I believe this front office would not make the move for him if the deal includes Julius Randle. I'm just saying. I really think this front office, and Tibbs especially, if this deal, and everybody says, everywhere you read where there's a deal for Zion and the Knicks, mm-hmm. Julius Randle's included. Yeah, I mean, you'd have to you'd have to include them, right? Because you know. they, they, they basically play the same position. Yeah, and their money kind of matches. Yeah, that, that also helps. <laughs> yeah. So, but I just don't, I just don't see Leon Rose and company moving on from Julius Randle. I just don't. They, they like him. They do. And I agree with John about one thing. They do need to get rid of this ISO stuff so much because it's, it's, it, the game is moving away from that, Gordon. The, the game is moving towards, you know, motion and look, look at what you saw. Even Miami has motion. <laughs> They're not an ISO team. Even with Jimmy Butler, he looks to move people around. Denver is moving people. It's, you know, Golden State has been the king of, of, mm-hmm. of ball movement Absolutely. over the past decade or so. So I just, I just, they need to move away from that. Uh, but they're not moving away from that. If they're not moving away from Julius Randle, I just, I would just be surprised if they make a move that has to do with Randle. I do. I think they really like him. It just doesn't feel like that the, 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 the trio of Randle, RJ, and Brunson ever meshed. The whole year. They never, the, the three of them never played well together. Yeah, because they're all really the same. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're all lefty ISO guys 
with the Brunson can pass the ball, but when he's going right and he's looking for his shot, he can be an ISO guy. We know Randall's ISO guy, and RJ doesn't shoot consistent. Now his playoffs, he improved in the, as the postseason went on. But for the regular season, going, what were we saying about him? Yeah, he no, taking a step back. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And defensively, he he's never been outstanding. And you know, he just looked, he just looked like he never found his place in the offense with Randall and Brunson. No, he just never, never knew where to go. He never knew mm-hmm. where to be. He never knew he he couldn't find himself. He didn't know where he was supposed to be. He just had a he he looked lost. He looked lost. And so, to help him. Tibbs put him on the second unit. But now he had some success on the second unit. But when Josh Hart got here, Josh Hart took over the second unit, mm-hmm. him and quickly. So now I, I just do. I mean, they had the folks camp together, Gordon. What, what's going to change this year? By bringing, I, what's going to change? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I don't think anything changes. It's going to be the same yeah. thing. You know, so, you know, what, what are they going to do? They have to. They have to make some kind of adjustment. I'm not. I'm not saying blow up the roster, but they have to do something where they can be tougher to defend offensively than what they've been over the past couple of years. It's really like this is the best way to do it. You give him the ball, make a play. <laughs> Randall, make a play. RJ, take it to the basket, make a play. That's what it seems like it's been. And Brunson a, made a bunch of plays. Yeah, it's a very tricky offseason. It's not it's not clear cut this year. It's not now that you've had a little bit of success, you want to build on that success. You can't just stand pat, but there doesn't seem to be the big move that's out there right now to be made. This is going to be a tricky offseason for Leon Rose. It is. It really is. And when you hear what Julius Randle had to say, you kind you might have a different feel about him. We'll hear from the Nick Forward next on 987 ESPN. This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. Paul George has a podcast. Yes. And uh, his guest was Julius Randle. I did not know that. Yes. And here's uh, what Julius Randle had to say about life in the Big Apple. If you want like a lesson, don't do thumbs down. That didn't work out well for me. <laughs> Honestly, I love it, bro. It's made me the player I am today. It all depends on how you look at it, bro. It can be tough for some people, and it's been tough for me. It's been tough for my family. The garden is it's a different animal. It done taught me so much more about myself and as a player. Age you though, bro. It's like it's like almost being like you you the president. And they go in there, and you see them, and they look great. And four years later, they got the image, and they look yeah. old as hell. Yeah, that's how I feel right now. How is it in New York? If you look at it from a media perspective, like you'd be like, damn, it's hard being there. I go on walks all the time, like around the city. The actual fans interaction, like face to face, is crazy how much love it is, bro. Yeah. We ain't one. Sh- you know what I mean? We got to the second round. They like, man, we so appreciate, so appreciative. Obviously, he didn't run to the fans we talked to. <laughs> you know what, though? That, that, I think that that's 100% true, and it, it probably is a lot of the same fans. The, mm-hmm. the same fans that will call us up and yell and scream about Julius Randle. If they saw Julius Randle in the street, hey, Julius Randle, they, they, they'll, they'll, they'll change their tune very quickly. Yeah, probably so. Probably so. They're uh, not going to say, you bum, what are you doing? Are you, are you dribbling the ball off your foot? Your playoffs stink. Yeah, they're not going to say that to him. 
not there's some who would. <laughs> from a distance, maybe. <laughs> maybe from a distance. Yeah, there's some who might say some things. But I thought Gordon, uh, he handled it very well. What he handled, he he was honest, mm-hmm. and uh, he started out with the, uh, the thumbs down was not a good move. Yeah, <laughs> shocking, right? <laughs> but uh, you know, he. Let's face it. I think he wants to be here. Mm-hmm. I think he wants to be here. I think he wants to prove that he can be a part of a winning situation, and that. Uh, with more people, he believes that he can be a difference maker and can get this team where they need to go. That's his belief. Now, he's got to make some adjustments in the postseason, Gordon, because and, and maybe we could say about the ankle this year, but unfortunately for us, it looked a lot like the first year mm, that they made the absolutely. postseason. And so, you know, he's got to do something where or or Tibbs and his coaching staff have to make some adjustments, Gordon, with this offense so that it's not so predictable. And I think, you know, sometimes we sometimes we blame players for their lack of, of adjustments and things that they need to do. And I'm not saying he's not totally at fault. But the thing for me is sometimes as a coach, you got to help guys out. And they don't help him out, continuing to allow him to have this iso ball. There's got to be something else that they can do with this offense. That can if if he's gonna stay, all right. There's got to be something else they have to do with this offense to be more creative, so that they move him around or get him in different positions or put him on the box or do something, because you know Gordon is. It's just it's it's not getting it done in the postseason where you play better teams, right? And they key on you defensively to take away what you do well. It's not it's not working. It's just no. not working. Well, after the first time, the first year of the playoffs, we all agreed. We're all on the same page. Julius Randle cannot be the number one option on a team that's going to go deep into the playoffs. And that's true. Uh, So now they went out and they get uh, Jalen Brunson. And Brunson clearly was the best player on the Knicks this playoff run. Uh, But it also showed you that Julius Randle really can't be the second option on a team that's going to go deeper into the playoffs because he goes from an all-NBA caliber player in the regular season to one of the least efficient players you'll ever see. His playoffs are just a nightmare. Yeah. And I think you can only blame the ankle so much because, again, as you said, we saw this already. So, if to me, the Knicks can't allow themselves to be fooled again. Mm-hmm. They have to improve the roster in a way so that you're not relying on Randall as much as you're relying. Maybe it, during the regular season you can rely on him to a certain degree because he does he does carry you to a, a large extent. But in the playoffs, you can't rely on that guy. He, he's can't. just he's unreliable. I, I don't know what other way to say it. You can't. You just can't. And uh, teams are going to take away Brunson. Right. All right. And and you saw that Miami did a good job by minimizing, not minimizing him, but making it tougher for him by putting, uh, you know, Gabe Vincent on him all the way, full court pressure, and he's handling the ball, and he's got to score, and he's got, you know, nobody else was scoring. And it was a lot on Jalen Brunson. Jalen Brunson deserves a raise. <laughs> he's a great season. He's a bargain, right? I mean, think about the, the change that came from when he signed his contract. Oh, the Knicks overpaid. The Knicks, they, they got, uh, they got uh, it was an absolute heist. They they gave him way too much to by the time the playoffs rolled around, he was a bargain. So 
that move is great. That, that's the move that gives you hope and faith that this front office can find something because no one anywhere would have predicted that Jalen Brunson was as good as he was no. this mm-hmm. year. So Could you not. have to hope that they have something else up their sleeve. Yeah, they do. And you made a good point earlier. What's the pressure like on this team to make a big splash this season? What is the pressure like to do that? And I hope that they, they're they honest with themselves, realizing that there are places on this team that need to be upgraded but not go hog wild and just make a bad move. Because really, they've done a decent job in maintaining maintaining their draft picks, Gordon. But really, when you when you break down the front office, what they've done is, you know, they, they've had a – Brunson is by far the best thing they've done because they had some – you know, they made some bad moves. They had to make trades. They had to give up picks to get rid of players that didn't work for them. I mean, it, it's been an up-and-down tenure for Leon Rose. We Yeah, uh, we, we, well, look, we I think like the draft picks and we like Brunson, but it's been an up and down thing for him. They've acquired the assets. They, uh, I think they've done a better job in the draft than previous regimes. That's not saying much because the previous regimes were that bad, but quickly was a good find. Uh, I think that uh, the Josh Hart deal worked out far better than any of us really could have anticipated. They obviously identified something there that they were able to tap into that uh, was not immediately apparent when they made that trade. So that was a good move there. We like Grimes as a player. Still have to see more. So there's there's some things. And I think the fact that they had success this year buys them time. The plan to me when you go out and hire the former agent is he's going to he's gonna eventually bring in the big superstar from his connections in his previous job. But the fact that the Knicks had success, it buys them time, and they were able to establish some credibility, some level of production where they've made the playoffs two out of three years. So it's not like they're just waiting around for somebody to come here. They are actually building while they're waiting. And a lot of teams say they're going to do that. Oh, we're going to win while we rebuild. The Knicks have kind of put some stuff together here under Leon Rose where that's actually what they're doing. Now, they, again, they'll only be judged by what superstar they get to come here and how successful they are with that. But in the meantime, they've kind of given us something to watch. They have. And it's weird, but they've kind of had some success. It's mm-hmm. almost sustainable success, right? It's, it's almost to the point that they're, they're a viable option now. They're, they're a viable option. They're watchable. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And, that's, and that when they struck out with KD and Kyrie – that's what everybody said. You can't just expect somebody to come here. You have to build something first. And again, it hasn't all been home runs. It all hasn't all been good. That that first off season with the the Kemba and the Fournier that was a disaster. So it's not all been uh, arrows pointing straight up. But I think overall, they've done a a pretty good job, and they've certainly done a far better job than about the previous five GMs or previous five regimes that the Knicks have had to try to turn things around. Yeah. You just hope they don't mess it up. <laughs> no. Yeah. Well, no pressure, guys. And, and no, see, no that's pressure. the thing about the Zion move is if that's the move that Leon Rose is going to go, you are banking your career mm-hmm. with the Knicks on that move because that move can really blow up on you very, very fast. We'll continue the conversation with you on 98.7 ESPN.
They're not going to say, you bum.